0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. We're going to have a fabulous night tonight. I'm excited to preach this word. Um, I felt God give me a word around uh, connect. And we've heard so many fabulous messages, haven't we, about getting into a connect group. And I felt God begin to speak to me about what happens Once we're in a connect group. What happens when we rub shoulders with people? The good and the bad. What do we do when we actually make contact and we begin to connect and we begin to build relationships? And then all of a sudden, offenses, hurts, pains, annoyances. I'm sure I'm just talking about my friends. And so I wanted to um, just unpackage for us a little bit about what do we do when we come into contact and into relationships with people when maybe it doesn't go the way we think it's going to go, what can we do? So I titled this message, God, help me not kill my neighbor. God, help me not kill my neighbor. I wondered what they were going to put up behind me, so I, I did need to look. Very good. I see granny over there. That's great. Peeking out of the window. Because God says to love our neighbors, doesn't he? But it's not always, does it come automatic? It's not always just so simple and so easy. And um, when the Bible talks about loving our neighbor, neighbor is the people that we are close to. So a neighbor isn't just literally the person that lives next door when it's talking about that in the Bible, it's actually people that we are in connection with. Those are the people that we are meant to love. And so I want to unpackage some truths, both from human observation and my years of being in the people industry, as well as from the Word of God tonight. So we're going to have a really good time. When I first came to San Diego, um, I moved here right out of college. And I you know, moved here with every um, just dream in my heart. I felt God speak to me to move to San Diego. And, and so I did. But I, when I moved here, I graduated university and two weeks later drove to San Diego. And um, I didn't know a single soul in San Diego. And so this was a transition period. How many of us have been there where it's like we've moved or we've moved cities or we've moved homes or we're just in a transition season and we have to do the job of making friends, and it doesn't come easy or automatic all of the time. And I would have thought because I was raised in a very extrovert family. I am originally from New York. I was raised, you know, Ital- I'm an Italian Jewish Christian who grew up in Ecuador. If I want to get my point across, I can use two languages. Hablamos <laughs> español aquí. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I grew up around people and communicating with people. And so I just want to pull out some truths tonight of what it looks like when we are in those seasons of building friendships or building relationships. Are you with me? And it's really funny because when I... Um, moved to San Diego and like I said, didn't know a soul. There was a series of miracles. I'll tell you about some of them later on in the message. Um, But a couple of years after moving here and um, working for a company, I wound up finding Awaken Church. (laughs) And um, when I came the very first Sunday, I met A whole bunch of people that, they were like missionary kids and pastor kids. I had never met a missionary kid or a pastor kid at all in San Diego up until that point. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these are like people that, you know, have a bit of the same history that I do and that kind of thing. And then they invited me to my very first connect group. And so I go to the connect group. Um, It was Audrey Churchward, for those people that know Audrey. She was my very first connect group leader. And the very first connect group I went to, I remember Audrey just getting really passionate as she was talking about the word of God. And then she launches into really trying to describe to us that Jesus was, you know, this strong, you know, person that he wasn't weak. And she said something to the effect of, Jesus isn't a wuss. But she didn't use the word wuss. She used a whole nother word that I cannot say from stage. And I was like what on earth? I was, like, I was, like, raised, like, born Christian. Like, what language are we using here? And I remember just being shocked. And, um, you know, she kind of stopped and, you know, kind of got through what she was saying. But honestly, that was my very first opportunity to be offended. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how the very people that we cry out for, like we are in a time of wanting to build a friendship and we are like desperate to have friends and desperate to have relationships. And then the very first opportunity to actually connect with people, we are presented with an opportunity to be offended. It's like Jesus knew how to create an environment of not perfect circumstances, with imperfect leaders. And I remember being in that connect group and every like religious spirit in my body was like triggered. Like how dare you? This is the word of God. (laughs) And so afterwards we had a little chat. Um, And she was just so beautiful, and she unpacked it, and she was so embarrassed, you know, and she kind of re-explained it. And here's the thing. It's like I got it. I understood what she was saying, and the truth is I kept going to that connect group, and to this day, I still have lifetime friends. Pastor Michaela was in that connect group. Pastor Audrey, Michelle, all kinds of friends that I have to this day were in that very connect group. But I don't know about you, but I feel like God actually presents us with opportunities to actually grow in our relationship. And sometimes that comes with a bit of sand. Paper. It doesn't always come easy. And uh, if we're starting to feel bad about ourselves, don't, because Jesus in Matthew 5, he actually addresses us, the believers, and teaches us how to live. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about how he came to fulfill the law, which he did, the Ten Commandments, which are still alive and well. I like all of them, they make sense to me. Don't kill, great, still a great law. But then Jesus unpackages for us how he died and he rose again, which means that we were given the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, a supernatural spirit on the inside of us that we could lean into at any time. And so Jesus taught us how to live. When we talk about grace and we talk about, we have a grace to be able to live out everything that God commanded us to live. And so it's no surprise that when Jesus preached some of his gospels, he actually spoke directly to those who already were believing. And that's who I'm going to speak to today. We're good? Okay. So before I jump in, I do want to pray because... um, I'm gonna kind of hit on a few things that actually might um, kind of just tug at our heart a little bit. Um, when I was uh, just worshiping up here at the front um, during worship and we were praising, I just had this vision from God and I saw the physical hand of God just come out and repair some hearts. And I saw, it was just real simple. I just saw this hand just beep, beep, beep. Just take care of a few things. It wasn't like full-on open-heart surgery. It was just a few things that needed a bit of healing, a bit of correction, a bit of salve on some wounds tonight. And so as I um, preach this word, I want us to really be open like King David and say, God, search my heart. If God brings to mind a person that needs to be forgiven or a situation that we've been involved in that needs reconciliation or whatever it may be, God is here not to condemn us but to heal us. And so I just want to pray as we get into it because I don't want us to sit back with our hands crossed and think about the hundred different ways how this doesn't apply. Because we can talk ourselves out of the teeny situational kind of thing where she doesn't understand my exact, but if we do the opposite and go, God, search my heart, let there be no wicked way within me, then healing can truly happen. So let's pray. God, oh God, Lord, I just thank you right now. I thank you that you say in your word where two or more are gathered, you are in our midst so we recognize your presence in this place. Lord, I thank you right now that even as I speak that they are not my words, but they are yours, God. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that as this message unfolds, Lord, I ask that you would bring to mind people and situations, oh God, Lord, that have troubled us. And instead of condemning God, that you would come, Father, as you do, and heal those wounds heal those areas of our heart, heal even the, the history, Father God, and, and the memories. I, I even pray and bind and break the, the, the cords to, to the memories, God, that, that may have really taken hold of our hearts. And I proclaim healing in hearts tonight. Lord, as we receive of your word, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, and I have a couple, of course, you know, very practical points, okay? So this is less preachy, a little bit more teachy, but I really believe it's going to help us in in the relationships that we have. So my very first point is this, make peace. Make peace. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, in the Passion Translation, how blessed you are when you make peace for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. I love this because one of the ways that we know that we are a son or a daughter, that God is our father, is when we are actually, uh, when, when we actually are able to reveal ourselves by making peace. It's an attribute that shows that we're a son or a daughter of God. And I like that the Bible says to make peace because that means it's not automatic. To make something is to build something. I think of it like building a bridge. Like we come to a big crossing and there's all kinds of water. We don't just go, bridge appear. We have to build it to then cross over. And I feel like it's the same in relationships. We've got to build some bridges to get to the other side. We've got to make peace. And so building something is not automatic and sometimes we can think, well, everything's just just peachy. But is it? Making peace is sometimes the way that we do that is by recognizing the absence of peace and choosing to do something about it. So if we assess our own hearts even now and go, is there the absence of peace in my life? Why? What is that attributed to? What is that attached to? Is it a situation? Is it a circumstance? Is it a person? Is it a couple people? What is it that is stealing my peace. Because once we can isolate what it is, then we can begin the process of building the bridge. We can make peace. We cannot make peace if we do not choose to engage. And retreating is never a great idea. It prolongs, in my opinion, the inevitable, or it it severs relationships. And a lot of times these relationships are ones that we were meant to have. But if we retreat when something happens, then there's no possibility for reconciliation. And so we have to make sure when there is um, any type of strife in a relationship that our first bent, our bent, our human nature might be to retreat, but our God nature is to step forward we got to take a moment and go, I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to retreat. I'm going to face. I'm going to engage. But I'm going to do it with the spirit of the living God on the inside of me. And that will change everything. Now, if you're like me, a little bit thick-headed, sometimes I kind of have to be like hit over the head because I can just let things go. I don't know if there's anybody else like that, maybe just me. But I'm like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's not fine. And sometimes God will have to use all kinds of things to make sure that I realize it's not fine. I remember one time, I went to sleep one night, nothing out of the ordinary, but I woke up and I had had this dream that this particular person hated me, like hated, and I knew this person. And I'm like, I'm friends with that person. There's no way, why would they hate me? And so I just start, you know, going through my little Rolodex in my mind. And I cannot come across anything. I'm like, that's just, but I couldn't shake it. And it was such a vivid dream. So I knew it was a God dream. So I'm like, I need to do something about this. And if it's nothing, then they'll tell me it's nothing. And if it's something, then there's something that needs to be done. And so I remember I went and I approached this person who was a friend. And it was so weird. I'm like, hey, so really weird. had this dream that you hate me. Um... Does that sit with you at all? Like, (laughs) God doesn't ask for perfection. He just asks us to step out. He'll utilize anything. And she actually said to me, well, actually, I know. And then my, obviously, like, my heart drops out of my chest. Like, not the answer I was expecting, And I just said, look, what's going on? And she just began to share with me. And it turned out, you know, it was something, not anything crazy, but something that happened a long time ago that she had never gotten over and always looked at me through that light. And didn't actually know the story behind what had happened. And she had just kept that kind of in her heart. So there was this, you know, bit of anger holding, you know, on her side that I was unaware of. And so as she began to tell me, I was able to share actually the circumstances around that situation. She came into an understanding, was like, oh my, I never knew any of that stuff. And and we were able to come into this beautiful moment of reconciliation. We need to listen to the promptings of God and step out even when were, we're unsure. Let's just step out. Let's engage and allow God to come through. Let's make a bridge. Let's make peace. Can we do that? Not every confrontation, also, these are little side notes, so if you're jotting down notes, these are just a few little good ones. Not every confrontation needs to be a serious meeting. If you take care of minor hurts in real time, they may never escalate to arguments and fights. When we confront and engage, we do so to make peace, not to be right. This is done best by listening and speaking. Remember, there are always two perspectives. Our perspective we know very well. Generally, we've rehearsed our perspective multiple times. We've gotta stop and listen to the other perspective. And remember that validation doesn't mean we agree. You can validate where a person is coming from so that you can come to understand them and work out a situation. Sometimes we think if we do that, we're agreeing with something that we would never agree to, but it actually doesn't have to be that way. It gives an opportunity again for reconciliation. Validate a person's concerns. When we confront, be in the right spirit, the God spirit. You never want to address anyone or engage someone when we're mad. Now we all know that, but do we apply that? I was talking to a psychologist and he's like, it's amazing how much we know, but the moment we have this disagreement or the moment we hear something that's contrary to what we think, all of a sudden we throw everything we know out of the window and all of our emotions rise to the top and we do and say things we never intended to do. And I'm like, well, what do we do then? And he said, the best thing to do is just pause, take a deep breath, walk away for a moment if you need to, and then come back, de-escalate, let the emotions come back down so that we can have a true conversation, one that lends itself to reconciliation. So if we can just kind of tuck that back and those times where we want to lash out, just pull ourselves back just a little bit, take a big, deep breath, remember that god is with us and then choose to engage at the appropriate time but remember we can't leave that for days and weeks and months and years we need to reconcile things in real time those are the best those are the best conditions for reconciliation are you with me Okay, that can lead us to making peace. So we want to, even after this message, if we listen to it again, let's assess our relationships. Is there a lack of peace? Is there strife in any of our relationships? And what, what bridge can we begin to build? How can we begin to make peace? Okay, number two, keep short accounts. Don't hold anger in our hearts. I'm going to read some Bible verses that I think really just bring this to light, and it's in Matthew 5, 21 through 26, again, in the Passion Translation. The Bible says this, You're familiar with the commandments that the older generation was taught. Do not murder, or you will be judged. But I'm telling you, if you hold anger in your heart— Now, anger in your heart, some manuscripts say, without a cause. Or in the Aramaic and Hebrew, it reads, If you provoke a fellow believer to anger— or if you cause the offense to the spirit of your brother. So, okay, so if we hold anger in our hearts towards a fellow believer, towards someone in our connect group, towards someone in our church, towards a friendship, the Bible says that we are subject to judgment. And whoever demeans and insults I looked up the word demeans and insults. I don't know why, but this is even more descriptive. In the Aramaic and in the Greek, it says call a lunatic, call demon possessed, called im." Imbe- I, th- I think of that one in Spanish for some reason imbecil. Maybe it sounds better. Not so bad imbecile. Okay, shouldn't be saying that. Anyway, we're not meant to call people these things. Calls worthless. In today's language, that's like going to a connect group and having an encounter with somebody and going, you know what? They're just crazy. You know what? They must have a demon. You know what? They're a moron. That's what, that's literally what the Bible is saying. That's how it breaks it down. That we cannot. That's carrying an anger in our hearts towards a fellow Believer, that Jesus is talking to us as believers here. A fellow believer is answerable to the congregation. I find that fascinating. That means we do answer to our connect group leader, to our pastor, to our community. We are actually called to be held accountable to one another. And whoever calls down curses upon a fellow believer is in danger of being sent to a fiery hell. Bad day. Fiery hell, also in, back in the day, they called it the Genena of fire, which was an actual place where garbage was burned outside of Jerusalem and also used as the site where there was child sacrifices to the God of Molech. I think Jesus takes this seriously. And I'm reading this, like, to allow it to, to literally touch my heart, just so you understand. I'm not just reading this out to bring light to you, but it, this, for me, it was such a great assessment of my own heart, like... When I'm in relationship or connection with people, do I do that? And you know what I found? Sometimes I do, like, you know what? They're just kinda crazy. And I kinda put them in that category. And I had to address myself, like, that's not okay. This is my neighbor. This is the very person that I'm called to love, to walk out, to work through. This is the person that God put right in my path, that I'm sitting here dismissing when i meant to be engaging. So believe me, I am preaching this message to myself. Then the Bible says this, so then, if you are presenting a gift before the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. Then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. It's always better to come to terms with the one who wants to sue you before you go to trial or you may be found guilty by the judge and he will hand you over to the officers who will throw you in prison. Believe me, you won't get out of prison until you have paid the full amount. Okay, I know that's confronting. We're going to break it down, okay? What the Bible is saying is that we are accountable to one another as a congregation. But you know what I found? That's not to our detriment, it's to our benefit, Just like we heard from Pastor John this morning, where we allow people to check us, where we allow outside people into the areas of our heart that we wouldn't notice on our own. Don't we all have blind spots? When you're driving in a car and you almost sideswipe someone because you didn't see them? If you saw them, you wouldn't sideswipe them. I don't know about you, I found myself in that situation way too many times. I know. So that's why we have people going, let me help you. Let me speak into the blind spot. Let's be accountable to one another. And this is what I found. I found that sometimes we have a hard time with this because we don't like who's holding us accountable. Sometimes we join into a connect group and it might be the leader or just someone in the group that that is helping us on our journey of faith. And we're like, you know what? I don't really like you. Or I just don't see myself in you. Or you're not the perfect person that I want you to be to speak to me in the perfect way I want to be spoken to. (laughs) The Bible doesn't say that Jesus will give us perfect conditions with perfect leaders. He gives us imperfect people to really work out everything he's called us to work out so that we can be in relationship with one another so that we can show ourselves as true sons and daughters of God that when we want to do everything that the world does, we don't because God is on the inside of us. We all have a propensity to evil. We've got a human nature, but we also, when we receive Jesus, have a God nature. And I believe the journey of life is learning to resist the devil that he may flee from us and engaging the truths of God that we might walk out the destiny that he has called us to. I think of the example in this of John the Baptist. I was reading about John the Baptist in the Bible and I was thinking like of all the people that God could have chosen to be baptized by, John the Baptist, really? He was like granola off the grid. Like John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. The Bible says he wore clothes of camel hair. Uh, There's lots of animal hair you could wear that would be suitable, not camel. And he eats locusts and honey and begins to passionately cry out in the wilderness for people to repent. Like, really? Really? That's who Jesus himself is going to be baptized under before he begins his public ministry? I find that so unique. I find it as God just kind of laughing in heaven, like, I will show you the perfect example. Because Jesus didn't submit to John the Baptist because of his perfection. He didn't submit to John the Baptist because he was just like Jesus. He submitted because it was the divine order of God. And he came under the submission of God regardless of what the person even looked like. And I thought, isn't that the perfect example? That when we get into connect groups and we get into church and we get into rubbing shoulders with our neighbors and the conditions aren't perfect and the people aren't perfect and yet we choose to die to ourselves and submit I believe there's an applause of heaven. There's a, well done, my good and my faithful servant. I believe that the applause of heaven is so much better than the applause of man. Can I get an amen? Ah, I have to speed up, okay. We are not to call each other names. We are not to retreat when we think someone is crazy. We are not to curse one another. That was all in the Bible, I'm just paraphrasing. We are not to continue to utilize our gift without taking a moment to fix the fight, the argument, with a believer. Remember how it said, better to leave the gift at the altar? That's like we are utilizing our ministry gift and then get reminded that we have a situation with a fellow believer. That means that God begins to prick our heart and go, hey, you've got something over here. And God is saying, you know what? Put down the gift. Go make it right and then pick your gift back up. I think in in church sometimes we get it wrong. I think sometimes people, for whatever reason, they might have that, you know, prick from heaven, and maybe they go out and they try to make it right, but then they feel bad about what happened and they never get back to utilizing their gift. That's not the way that God set it up to be. He understands that there will be reconciliation. Who better than Jesus, who reconciled all of our sins? And so, Jesus himself was like, look, when that happens, go make it right, and then come back. Present your gift again. It's the family of God. How good is that? Can we get a little bit more mature in loving one another? Where we let people make mistakes sometimes and forgive them and not tarnish their reputation? Can we forgive one another as God has forgiven us and then come back and, with all authority and with all anointing, step back into that gift, going, Yep, God's applauding that moment. He brought it to light, and I went out and did my best to make it right, and I'm back again. How good is God? What a great example! We are not to carry anger in our hearts. The best thing we can do is apologize and reconcile. A true heart of repentance means attempting to heal severed relationships, not just give empty words. How many parents told children, I want you to repeat after me, you need to go tell your brother, you need to go tell your sister you are sorry. And that's a great example. But as we grow up, Jesus in heaven is like, yeah, well, you need to do that as an adult and mean it. I have felt the tug of Jesus at times going, you know what you need to do, Stacy. You need to step out and you need to go and apologize. It's amazing. What happens when we can really recognize what has happened, we can talk through it, we can work through it, we can apologize, and then we can come back to the altar. Okay, point number three, keep our commitments. I think this is really going to help us keep our commitments. Matthew 5, 33-37 says, again, your ancestors were taught, never swear an oath that you don't intend to keep, but keep your vows to the Lord God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for heaven is where God's throne is placed. Don't swear an oath by earth, because it is the rug under God's feet, and not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And why would you swear by your own head because it's not your it's not in your power to turn a single white single hair white or black but just let your words ring true a simple yes or no will suffice anything beyond this springs from a deceiver that's the bible verse of let your yes be yes and your no be no because the middle ground is tormenting And, you know, I could just say, oh, you know, it's Southern California. We're noncommittal. You know, we're beach people. (laughs) But it's actually something that's crept into our entire culture. It's not just Southern California. It's the world. Be noncommittal. It'll be fine. No, it's not. I don't know about you, but I've heard this, like, over and over. Well, you know, their intentions were good. I'm like, I don't think good intentions are that good. I think good commitments are good. I think when we keep our word, that's good. I don't know about you, but I've been on the receiving end too many times of people setting up commitments only to not fulfill them. And there's pain attached to that. There's hurt attached to that. And the Bible talks about it being tormenting because it is. Because all of a sudden, you get yourself in a realm of like, wait, what was their true intention? Did they mean to? Was it not? Oh, I never heard from them again. Oh, what happened? And God's like, you know what? Let's do away with all of that. Let's just be pure of heart. Let's just, when we say yes, mean yes. And when we say no, be no. And I don't know about you, but I've been practicing this. And it's so much easier to be up front with people. You know what? I can't come to that because I already committed to this. Not I'm leaving my options open for whatever comes better. And I'll leave that aside to go to whatever. We cannot always be led by feelings and emotions. When we make a commitment, we fulfill them. Does that make sense? Okay. My last point. Point number four. Let me find it. Guys, okay, here we go. Okay, wait, commit or commit. Okay, four. Throw kindness around like confetti. (laughs) how how many people have heard that quote throw kindness around like confetti did I lose all the men in the room (laughs) I felt like that did sound girly but I liked it too much (laughs) and don't worry there's some nuggets in here for you men I will get to them Throw kindness around like confetti. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 says this, your ancestors who have also been taught, love your neighbors. Remember that your neighbors are your friends, the people that you're in connection with and hate the ones who hate you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of the heavenly father. He is kind to all. He's kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does. Sorry, I mixed that up. Okay, for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to the warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that? Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. Perfect here in the Greek and the Aramaic means to be whole, to be complete, to be fully mature, well-rounded. I don't know about you, but I had to let that sit for a moment. That when I am... Being kind to people, am I only kind to the ones that I love? But can I extend myself more than that? And, you know, recently I went to, um, not that long ago, I went to Texas, the great city of Texas. And um, I was so amazed that every time I would, like, go to, oh, there was, like, a door and I was going to go to open the door, like, men that didn't know me would rush to open the door for me. I was so not used to that, to be honest. I thought, chivalry is alive and well in Texas. Just a little moment of kindness, but it did my soul really well. I started to think about all the times in my life where kindness was done to me. And I think that if we do that, if we can begin to remember all the times that kindness happened to us, compassion will fill our hearts to help us to be kind to others. And if you look at your life and you think, no one's been kind to me, I would ask you to reassess. I would ask you to ask Jesus to reveal to you every time kindness came to your door, every time kindness was offered to you, what did that feel like? Sometimes if we can remember back and let that compassion fill our hearts, then it becomes so much easier to give kindness away. That means men, I said I would come back to you. Emerge captains, people in Emerge. Can I hear a big, what do you guys say, hoorah? Sure. Yeah, can I hear a big hurrah from men? That was so lame, guys. Okay, guys, can I hear a real big grunt from you men? <laughs> okay, that was better. That was better. <laughs> that means Emerge men. When you see a guy that's not on a team, that's not in your tribe, Can we reach out and be kind? I bet your bottom dollar there's a woman praying that you would. I bet there's a grandma, a mom, a wife, a girlfriend going, please, just reach out to my man. Can we be kind and thinking back on my own life and when i first moved to san diego like i had talked about and i didn't know a single soul the circumstances were dire i was here and after five months all the people that i had knew or that i had met had left had gone and i was by myself in san diego off of a word from god himself and i was like jesus come hell or high water i know you've called me to this place but this is really bad Like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I had just graduated college, and I thought the perfect career would magically appear. And it was taking a little bit longer. And so I was just trying to make ends meet. And when the the girls I was living with all told me that they were leaving unexpectedly, I was left with, what am I going to do? And I remember going to a connect group. This was years ago. It was before I came to Awaken Church. But I went into a connector of people that I did not know. It was my very first time there. And at the end, they all kind of said, hey, why don't we all pray? Does anybody have anything they want prayer for? And I'm like, "Um, hi, you don't know me, but um, by next week, I'm not gonna have a place to live and don't know if I can survive here in San Diego and I'd really like to. Something to that effect, they all kind of looked at me like, oh, all right. Uh, but it was true, my money had run out and I wasn't gonna have a place to live. And I didn't know what I was gonna do and I was praying my heart out for a miracle. And afterwards, one of the girls in the group came up to me and she said, Stacy, is that true? And I said, yes, it's all true. And she said, listen, I have a friend whose parents are property managers. Let me see if I can talk to them and see if we can work something out from you. And I gave her my phone number. And I thought she seemed real sweet, but I mean, what are the odds she's gonna call me back? But she did. And she had me go and meet her uh, friend's parents, a beautiful Filipino couple, and they came and talked to me, and they said, what's happened? And I just told them how I'd come from Ecuador to the US, and that I felt called to San Diego, but my money had run out, and my friends had left, and I didn't know where I was gonna live. She said, well, what can you afford? And I said, well, next month I I can give you $500 for rent. She said, I feel like God has spoken to me. She was a Christian. And she said, I feel like God's spoken to me and I'm gonna, I just had a tenant move out and I'm gonna give you his apartment. And you can pay $500 for a one bedroom apartment in North Park. And she said, just just don't tell anyone because nobody else is getting this deal. But you can live there as long as you need to. You just pay the $500, it's fine. Kindness. Such a beautiful thing. From that apartment, I had another friend that was kind to me that lived in this beautiful part of San Diego that had this huge apartment, two bedroom apartment, just because she likes space. <laughs> one person living in an apartment, but she had all this space. And she said, Stacy, you're living in that one bedroom in North Park and it's okay and it's a great deal, but I've got this beautiful place. I'll charge you just $500. Do you want to live there? Yes. Yes, I do. Kindness. Kindness opens doors. Can we just reassess our lives again? And can we throw kindness around like confetti? Can we look for places and people where we can extend ourselves beyond our normal, beyond the natural, beyond the close friends that we have made? I'm telling you, if we can each and every day do that, my goodness, how that will reveal that we are children of the living God, that we are kind when kindness is not required. I had so much more I was gonna say but I believe that God is in this place and I feel his presence here right now. And I wanna do this, I wanna pray for some people. So if we can just bow our heads and close our eyes. I love that God doesn't promise us eternal blissful relationships, but he does provide the framework for them. And I love that God intends that we would be processed with people so that we could fulfill our true and our ultimate calling. The very mark of a believer is that we love one another. That we love our neighbor as we love our very lives. That's the mark of a believer. And if you're in this place and you can just assess your hearts for a moment and even if you need to jot down so that you don't forget some, some people, some situations that God has brought to mind or maybe there's some, been some people in your history that have been kind that, that we never thanked. Maybe just jot their names down and after this service, just ask God what you would do for those people. When we go back and join our connect groups, I can't promise that they will be the perfect conditions or the perfect leaders, but it is the perfect framework to work out our Christianity. And I would ask us to all be involved in a group where we allow God to work on our very hearts. And for those of you that are in this place and you maybe haven't given your life to the Lord and you're like, Stacy, I want the propensity to do what's right in the eyes of God, not just what's right in the eyes of man. I need Jesus on the inside of me. I wanna not only reconcile my eternity by giving my life to Jesus, but I want Jesus to teach me how to live. I wanna be in relationships with people and experience the things that maybe you heard tonight. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awaken Church, go to awakenchurch.com.